as the Supreme Court came down with a ruling that could have serious consequences for the ability of college athletes to earn money from their universities. I would say the serious consequences are more for the universities who may have to start paying them. Daniel Crane joins us, a Frederick Paul Firth, senior professor of law at the University of Michigan, to try to explain this. Daniel, thank you for coming on with us. Good afternoon, Mitch. Good to be on your show. So uh, this is not the ultimate uh, Mount Olympus moment where the Supreme Court says athletes must be paid, et cetera, but, but it, it, it did push, push us in that direction. Explain to our audience what it was. Sure. So there's been litigation pending for a number of years now by athletes against the NCAA over the NCAA rules that restrict the school's uh, ability to pay athletes for their services, basically. And today's decision related to uh, a finding by the federal court in California that those rules were anti-competitive to the extent they didn't allow schools to pay athletes for their full cost of education-related benefits. So the Supreme Court unanimously agreed with that decision and held now that the NCAA rules uh, cannot be enforced to the extent that schools um, are, are now free to pay uh, student-athletes for everything related to their education. The issue that was not uh, addressed today because the student-athletes dropped it before it got to the Supreme Court was whether the schools should be allowed to pay student-athletes even beyond education-related costs. So, for example, can you uh, offer cash to the Michigan quarterback to sign with Michigan? Well, the, uh, Justice Kavanaugh wrote uh, a, a concurring opinion, and he said this, The NCAA is not above the law. The NCAA couches its arguments for not paying student-athletes in innocuous labels, but the labels cannot disguise the reality. The NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. That's pretty damning. Uh, And it was, by the way, a 9-0 decision. Uh, Does that portend for future cases that could push the doors wide open on this? Well, I'm sure that the plaintiff's lawyers are reading that uh, Kavanaugh concurrence closely. Uh, you know, he certainly gave them the, the, the green light to bring that case, uh, which they had brought. They just kind of abandoned it. Uh, but nothing stopping another set of plaintiffs from, from bringing the next case here. Um, I think it is important to note that that's one justice. Uh, eight other justices joined a much narrower opinion. They didn't want to reach out and decide that issue today. And there's plenty in the majority opinion that should also give the NCAA some some hope, um, including the idea that protecting amateurism uh, is a legitimate thing to do. Now, they're allowed now to give, I guess, unlimited educational benefits. What does that actually mean? I mean, you can only get so much in tuition. It's not like you say, hey, we're going to give you the ability to earn six master's degrees while you're here. Uh, How do you quantify that? Right. So, so that's, I think, one of the things the NCAA argued is that if you allow schools to uh, pay for anything that's arguably education-related, uh, that they can start giving student-athletes a Lamborghini to drive to the practice. And Justice Gorsuch's opinion actually talked about the Lamborghini issue and, and basically said, look, you know, if you think that's a problem, you can go back to the district court and get clarification on, on what the restrictions would be. But, but things that are more practically in play are things like um, academic tutoring or paid post-eligibility internships 
um, or scholarships or graduate or vocational school. So, so those were more the kinds of really education-related um, costs that under current NCAA rules, uh, schools were limited in offering, and those have now been opened up by this decision. Does food constitute an educational thing in that, or is that a totally different subject? I know a lot of athletes say they can't even eat, you know, during some periods of the year. So is that constituted in that? Yeah, you know, I, I think that uh, room and board was, yes, was definitely included already. And so, so you could, you could uh, offer them anything that goes to what they need to, to live and to buy books and to get tutoring, anything arguably related to their getting an education. Uh, the thing that's left out, of course, is, is purely you know, cash to, to recruit the, the best talent. Uh, and and that's uh, that's a an open issue under Justice Kavanaugh's concurring opinion, uh, and I fully expect to see that one litigated next. How, if if at all, will this affect those recent decisions in different states that are allowing athletes to have their images sold? Uh, in other words, an athlete can come in and be the the face of a car dealership in town, or the face of a of a of a line of cosmetics, or whatever it is, and and, and earn that money in places like. California, I think Florida, there are a number of other states that have adopted that. Right. And there was an earlier antitrust decision that didn't go to the Supreme Court, but did go to the Court of Appeals out in California that had actually found that the NCAA cannot restrict uh, image and likeness sales by players, but up to a certain limit. Uh, And so the question now is whether those limits should be lifted as well. Well, I guess that's still to come, uh, but uh, this was a good day for that case, and, and I guess if you, if you, if you want to go to school as much as you want and maybe get in, now start living in a luxury apartment because they could say, well, you know, housing is good, so we can, we can offer our athletes you know, the, the penthouse floor because they've got to have a place to live while they study, uh, maybe that becomes a bargaining chip in, in trying to get recruits. As opposed to saying, well, you all have to stay in the same dorm, I guess if they want to spend money and try to show it that way, could, could schools basically say as a recruiting tool, come here, come to our school, and, and we'll put you up in this very special luxury apartment because you have to have a place to live in order to study? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the Lamborghini exception that the NCAA is, it was, was worried about and, and that the Supreme Court recognized could be an issue, which is, okay, so maybe for now you still can't just give out cash to recruit the best talent, but there's all kinds of ways of compensating people in, in other fancy things that, that you could argue are somehow related to education. And, and now what's to stop this from becoming an arms race where the richest schools uh, will just be throwing all kinds of of fancy things at the best athletes, and 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 then the whole point of of uh, keeping uh, this amateur and keeping some of a, of a level playing field will be thwarted. Uh, you know, again, I I I don't know how quickly we'll descend to that because there's enough sort of cautionary language in the Supreme Court opinion that suggests that that you know they're they're conscious that that could be a problem, and and they're not suggesting that the NCAA doesn't have a legitimate interest in trying to stop it. All right. We'll see what happens here. Uh, thank you for coming on, Daniel, and explaining all this. Appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure.